Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walshire, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Alka Patel. She is a lifestyle medicine doctor, a longevity coach, an award-winning international speaker, a TEDx speaker, an author, and a podcaster. Good morning, Alka. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Lovely to be here with you as well, Brad. How are you doing today? Today is a great day. Thank you for asking. Excellent. I love hearing that. Well, let's jump right in. So as mentioned, you are all of those things. That is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and quite an extensive resume. How on earth do you find the time for all of this? And how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you? Oh, that's a great opening question. Um, yes, I guess as a doctor, you can probably imagine that I do have a very logical way of thinking. My thought processes are, are, are quite logical. So yes, uh, that answer to that question, how important <laughs> is organization for you? It is very important to me. So what do I do in that regard? I think Sunday's my day for getting organized. So my diary comes out on a Sunday afternoon. And of course, like most people, everything seems to be electronic electronic at the moment. So I've got everything on my electronic diary on my phone, but there's something about transferring the week onto paper that feels really important for me. So I transfer my calendar for the week, just for the week ahead into a more of a written diary, which then allows me to then prioritize and add things in that need planning for, for the week that follows as well. So yeah, great question. Prioritization is important. Organization is important. But I think as well, there's something deeper than organization, which comes before all of that, which I think is more around purpose, which then I think for me is what enables my organization and my prioritization. So in terms of kicking off my week or kicking off my day, I do tend to do quite a lot of sort of intention setting, asking myself questions each morning before I allow my feet to touch the ground, which then allows me, as you've quite rightly said, to stay prioritized and stay Mm -hmm. organized and focused on what's important for that day as well. Alka, for those out there who might not know exactly, what is a lifestyle medicine doctor? A lifestyle medicine doctor. So a lifestyle medicine doctor is a doctor who focuses on the source of health rather than fixing illness at its end point. So I like to think of a lifestyle medicine doctor as someone who really gets to the root of health, primarily because what we know is that 80% of illnesses that we face, at least 80% of the illnesses that we face, uh, at least in terms of chronic illness, are very much related to lifestyle. So the way that you style your life in essence. So if you can get to the core, then you're able to not only prevent illness, but also potentially reverse it and reduce it as well. So I like to think of lifestyle medicine as common sense medicine. Okay. Well, as we know, common sense isn't so common all the time among people. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. It's why we, it's why we have to put it under the umbrella of medicine. Yeah. Otherwise, it, you know, there's no huge rocket science to this, I have to say, because how to sleep, how to move, how to eat, how to connect, this is all part of being human. But right. you say we just don't do it because we don't apply common sense to our own living, right? Uh, yeah, very true. So keeping with that same line of questioning, for those who might not know or have never heard of the term, what is a longevity coach and how long have you been coaching? Ah, yeah. So it's probably useful here to just think about terminology a little bit, because there's probably words that people have come across that sometimes I use quite interchangeably. So we know about words like life expectancy, for example. So this is sort of the years that you're 
expected to live okay on average and varies country to country as well and i can uh, think about some numbers and give those to you shortly so that's your life expectancy your lifespan is the maximum numbers of years that a human can live lifespan so when you then think about longevity my take on longevity is then your ability to live beyond your life expectancy to survive beyond the sort of average age of death and to survive and live towards your lifespan okay excellent so i hope that makes sense yes um, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for clarifying that now as mentioned previously off the top you're a gp as well so how long have you been a GP and what inspired you to get into the world of medicine and become a doctor? So I've been a doctor now for how long? For over 25 years. Okay. And I think I think looking back, Brad, the desire came really simply from knowing that I could. So I do remember as a kid, my science teachers were full of praise for me on an academic level, especially my biology teacher. And as a family, no one from my family had been to university. My parents had come over from India and I was the first here to go to, to university. And so that was really where the desire, I think, stemmed from knowing that I could, that I was capable and able. And that sense of just being able to do what no one before me had, had done as well. And, you know, it sounds very cliche, but I still remember those medical school interviews when you're asked that very, very question, why do you want to be a doctor? And I always went back to I want to help people and right. I need to help people and it sounds so cliched but you know it really isn't there's a strong desire there and that's come from childhood and upbringing and people around you I think there's a huge influence from people around you as well isn't there yeah for sure always that outer influence family and all yeah. of that for sure you are also the founder of lifestyle first Again, we're going back to HealthSpan, Lifespan, where mm -hmm. HealthSpan meets Lifespan. Can you share with us what Lifestyle First is all about and how this all came about for you? Yeah, for sure. So I think, as I said, Lifestyle First is all about prioritizing and positioning your lifestyle as the most important route to health and hence the Lifestyle First part rather than just Lifestyle. Because I think we all know about our lifestyle. We know about what we choose to do and choose not to do. But where do we position that? in terms of, of health. And sadly, I've found over, I've been, as I said, a doctor now for over 25 years, I found that unfortunately, lifestyle tends to come lower down the list in terms of how to be healthy than say, do drugs um, and medication. So I think for me, in terms of how all of this came about, I mean, there's lots of pivotal moments in one's life, aren't there? But I, I do yeah. remember one particular patient who came to see me and he'd always come to see me very well dressed, shiny shoes, always in, in good spirits. But on this particular time, he, um, he looked very different. He was wearing a hoodie. He walked in and didn't make much eye contact with me. He was holding a McDonald's milkshake and also holding in one hand a packet of pills. And I remember very vividly, he pushed over this packet of pills towards me and said, I'm not feeling great. My friend takes these. I think I need them too. And they were a packet of antidepressants. And I, of course, as a GP, it's an incredibly demanding world. And uh, here in the UK, certainly, we, we only have 10 minutes with our patients. So 10 minutes later, I'd given him his prescription for his drugs and he left my room. And he left behind, Brad, on my table, he left behind that milkshake with mm -hmm. the McDonald's sign on it. And he left behind his friend's packet of pills. And these two kind of stared at me the entire day. And I took a pause and I just looked at what was left on my desk. And I realized that I'd become that drug pusher doctor, that presenting that sort of fast food type of medicine, you know, rely on me, depend on me for your drugs, come back another day, come back another day, and I'll give you a fix. And that wasn't why I went to medical school. So I did at the end of that surgery, I left my room, I went and sat on my practice manager's desk and I said, I'm done. Wow. Yeah. That is hugely pivotal. Yeah. I mean, you, you only get 10 minutes with each patient. Uh-huh. 10 minutes. What, how could, how, okay. 
I have to ask, how can you possibly get to the root of things with a patient in 10 minutes? Yeah. And the answer to that is very simply, you can't, which, yeah. is, which is exactly why healthcare isn't healthcare. It's sick care because we don't get to the root and we have a sticky plaster approach and we hope that all will be well. And invariably it isn't, and, you know, there's a place for drugs, there's a place for medication and surgery, yeah. and vaccination and all of this, but the priority has to be, let's, let's get to know you. Let's find out what is lying at the root of all of all of this and you can't do that in 10 minutes and no yeah and so the patients suffer and the doctor suffers too brad you know i so many doctors who are very distressed about the system that they're working in because they can't be the one who went to medical school and said i want to help people in the way that they wanted to well just as you said as you pointed out with this exact example you can't you're not feeling good about the work you're doing you're not helping people and has it always been that way in the UK? Or is this a change that's happened over the past, uh, I don't know, decade, two decades? Like, how long has it been this way where you only get 10 minutes with a patient? Forever and a day. The system oh, has always man. been set up like that. I mean, when the NHS was initially set up, the doctor lifestyle was different in the sense that they were seeing patients more at home and perhaps seemed to have more, more time with patients. But when you look back at old newspapers, the NHS has always been in crisis because demand has always outweighed capacity which is why there's been this pressure to see more people back to that McDonald's style medicine. Let's get people through. It's like a drive-through. Let's just get yeah. people through because the demand is so high. And I think that's where, you know, it's become self-perpetuating as well. Yeah. That's a horrible thing. I mean, I'm blown away. I cannot believe that. I am absolutely shocked. Which is why I think as doctors, we make incredible diagnosticians. We really can. We can hear your story in that 10 minutes. We can put on our diagnosis spectacles and we can really piece things together and have the right test done and really think about what's going on here. But what's really hard in 10 minutes is to transform your future. So we can give you the drugs to do that, but that doesn't touch anything that lies beneath. We know you need to exercise. If I diagnose you with diabetes today and give you metformin and ask you, off you go, it's not going to change anything for you if you don't own a pair of trainers and can't go for a run or... Yeah don't know what the best way to eat is, or if you're stressed and not sleeping, none of this is going to help you. No drug is going to be that powerful. Yeah. You're not given the opportunity to educate your patients in any way, shape or form. It's just like you said, you just, here you go, that McDonald's model doctor patient mm. thing. It, that, that is absolutely mind blowing. That's yeah. so sad. I know, which is why I think I had to take a, a big dose of courage and, a, and an overdose of humility and step out of that world of very yeah. general, general practice. Wow. Yeah. So you are also the creator of the Lifestyle First Method. Can you elaborate on what this method is all about and how you implement this into your work? Secondly, do you implement this into your coaching work as well? Yeah. So I think what I learned and certainly learned um, the very, a very hard way, and I have another story of my own burnout to share here, but what I did learn is that when it comes to your lifestyle, people do find it very hard to know where to start. What does lifestyle mean? What are we looking at? And so I did create a methodology which then helps people to think about those errors in their, in their lifestyle that they can hook on to elevate their self-care, to really be strategic about how they care about themselves. So the Lifestyle First Method is really a formula with 10 key dimensions of health that I came to recognize over my career and over caring for over a quarter of a million patients and through their stories, which taught me these 10 key dimensions. And I wanted to make lifestyle easy for people. So I've put this into a very easy to remember acronym, which spells the word lifestyle. And these are 10 areas which are very recent based as well, which if you focus on, we know will increase your longevity, will increase your health span, will help you to live a much more optimal life. So very simply, they spell out L is for life's purpose. We know that if you have a purpose, and I talked about this right at the beginning, but if you have a purpose for your day, you do add years to your life. There's survival research that having an intention-based day, having a reason to get out of bed in the morning actually adds years to your life as well. So that's the L is for life's purpose and I support people with how to do that. I is for identity. So 
understanding who you are, knowing how you're made right through to your, the fabric of your DNA as well, really. But really understanding that identity, thinking about affirmations. And again, looking at some of the research, there's quite a lot. There were some MRI scans done on patients who were given health information. One group made positive affirmations about their health before giving the information, and another group didn't. And the group who was strongly connected to their identity through affirmative statements, they were the ones who went on to make more uh, changes in their health behaviors and in terms of exercise and, and eating differently. So I think there's a lot of strong evidence around why identity and affirmation is, is important as well. And I'll whiz through the other letters. F is food. E is exercise. S is sleep. T is time out. So thinking about we're not really designed to go, go, go. We are designed to step out and oscillate. So what are we doing in that time uh, to, to recharge and allow ourselves to regenerate as well? So that's T. Why is your connections? Of course, we're very connected as humans and loneliness, again, takes years off your life and uh, adds a lot of disease as well. Uh, so that's a key area to focus on as well. L is all about learning habits. E is emotions. And first of all, it's also so focusing on mindset and motivation. So it's a simple acronym. It spells out lifestyle. There's methodology around those dimensions of health that are important to focus on. And in terms of where I utilize this, everywhere. Yeah. In my conversations, uh, whether I'm standing at a bus stop or having dinner or I'm in a more formal coaching uh, conversation, uh, this comes up all the time. We love talking about this, this stuff. Everyone's got a view on food. Everyone's talking about exercise. We're all talking about our lifestyles all the time so why not do it with some real focus and strategy attached to it absolutely i love that and you know i mean we are in a day and age now where people don't take the time to slow down and recharge it's it's they've they've got this list of things to do cross them off and once that list is done all right on to the next on to the next on to the next we don't slow down and take the time to smell the flowers so to speak mm -hmm. or even to celebrate our wins or the things that we've accomplished in our lives it's always go 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 as soon as we accomplish one thing it's right on to the next thing yeah and i think that that's such a downfall you know we are our own enemies in that regard because that's exactly what we need to do we need to slow down we need to also slow down to see the signals because our minds and bodies are incredible they're constantly giving us signals to respond to but we tend to live life exactly as you've said what's next on the list and so we don't notice those signals that are calling out for us to take attention the signal that says please just sleep more because if you don't then catastrophes on its way. Please just stand up more. Don't sit down for so long because you're going to be able to do something with your health in a, in a different way. Please don't zone in on the negative. Let's think about what you're grateful for today. All those signals are there, but we've just got to, as you quite rightly say, slow down to tune in. And it, it's funny you brought this up because uh, I noticed that I was really living life in the fast lane again this summer. And having recognized it, I really wanted to slow down and tune in. So I decided just before my birthday to take myself off to the mountains of Andalusia in Spain. And I spent seven days there in complete silence. I didn't utter, wow. didn't utter a single <laughs> word for seven days. So, and that slowness accompanied with stillness really allowed me to to notice the world in a different way, to notice myself in a different way, to smile at the things I hadn't given myself a chance to smile about before. Well, kudos to you for doing that, Alka. I mean, that's a huge thing to actually have the self-awareness to realize, wait a minute, I need to listen to the signs. I'm always preaching about other people listening to the signs. Oh, yes. I need to take my own advice and listen to my body and say, okay, right, it's time for me to just yeah. relax and, and take time for me and recharge. Yeah. So good for you for doing that. I think that's incredible. You're practicing <laughs> what you're preaching. Oh, yes. And you know what? You don't have to go and sit on the mountain for seven seconds <laughs> of silence. I mean, just try seven seconds of it. You know, just yeah. try that. And it's there waiting for you. Or even seven minutes. Don't put that TV on for breakfast. Don't put the radio on when you get in the car. All of these minutes are there for you to be still and silent in and just hear what you hear. And it's incredible.
I love that. You say that it is one of your greatest passions to empower and equip individuals and organizations to DNA. Can you explain a little bit about DNA and why this is so personally important to you? Oh, yes. So it's a slight play on words when I talk about DNA. I think you can probably tell by now, I clearly love all of my acronyms. So for me, DNA, I mean, of course, as we know, we know DNA as the fabric of of how we're made, our genes and how they're expressed. And for me, data-driven health is very important. So I do test DNA on many of my clients and many of my patients simply to raise awareness of how are you uniquely made? What can you use in terms of how you're made from a genetic perspective to your advantage? But then I've played with that a lot more because I think on this journey that we call life, it's so important to connect to the very core of you. So for me, DNA is also about the ability to discover, notice and activate exactly who you are, exactly what you want and knowing exactly where you are going. And this is very much about discovering what you love and noticing how you show up in the world and then activating those happy, healthy habits that will stand by you for a long time. I'm seeing and picking up on this theme and this common thread through everything that you're doing in terms of finding your purpose and what lights you up and what excites you, how important that is to life, to our health, to everything that we do. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets missed so much of the time because I think you've alluded to this to this already where we've got into that human doing rather than the human being. Yes. And I know we've, we've heard this so many times as well, haven't we? But it plays out. It plays out in in your health at, at such a core level as well. But what do you say to people though that, that don't know how to figure out or find their purpose in life? Yeah, it's a very enigmatic question, isn't it? Yeah. How do you find this purpose in life and you go on this whole crusade to hope that it's just gonna turn up one day and hit you on the nose. And it's not, <laughs> it's not quite like that, is it? I like to keep things simple. I think there's enough complexity in life without us, without us making it more complex. So my view is that if you set a purpose for your day, every right. day, then remember every day becomes a week, becomes a month, becomes a year, becomes your life. So think about your purpose for the day. I'm not talking about the statue of Mother Teresa in the middle of, of the square. I'm talking about you in your every day, set an intention for how you want to be in the world for that day. And back to acronyms, if I can share a little yeah, one, I think people might, might find this helpful. But for me, when I said right at the beginning, I, I set myself six questions that I ask myself every morning. And this doesn't take very long. So in terms of my purpose for my day, what I focus on is a little acronym called DREAM. So to turn my dreams to success. So my questions are, what difference do I want to make to someone today? That's the mm -hmm. D. The R is how ready am I for the day? So back okay. to your question originally about organization and prioritization, how ready am I? Yeah. The E is what energy do I want to radiate into the world today? And I get to choose that. Do I want to be energetic, fun? What's that energy that I'm giving out? Because it would all come back to me as well. The A is the affirmation, which I talked about. What's my affirmation for the day? What am I going to flavor my day with? I am fun. I am attentive. I am courageous. What is that that I want to spread out today? M is about motivation. What's motivating me today? And some of the work that I do with my clients and patients is very much about diving deep into our motivators, our drivers. What's, what is it that's driving you um, and understanding that and then the s is what am i doing for myself to care for myself today so my self-care and with those six little questions if i can set the tone of my day with intention that for me is a really important way to turn those dreams to success again just thinking about those six questions that follow that little acronym and i and my a lot of my clients and my patients use this and gain a lot of benefit from that because i then i ask them to do this thing which is called flavor and savor which is if you flavor your day with what you've set out as an intention and then in the evening and just savor what you did. What did you yeah. do that made a difference? What was your energy like? How did you care for yourself? And you can savor on the things that you did rather than what you didn't. And unfortunately, we're wired, aren't we, for that negativity yes. in life. But I think setting your tone, setting your purpose for the day allows you to reflect on it in a very strong, positive way in the evening as well. I absolutely love that acronym. That is brilliant. 
Alka, you specialize in stress modification and age reversal so that you can outsmart stress and outlive life with stress-modifying age-reversing techniques. Now, this is very intriguing to me. Age reversal caught my attention right away. Can you please speak on this and share what this is all about, especially the age reversal bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. This is the really interesting and exciting stuff. So if you think about the root of health or the root of illness, we know that we're engulfed in stress. And looking back, your stress response has now been shown to be the trigger for so much of what happens in our bodies because we're designed to experience some stress. So I'm very pro-stress. I love stress. I think it's a great activation for us. It keeps us going, keeps us focused. But too much and relentless stress is when we hit our downfall. So when our body experiences a physiological stress response, it triggers off inflammation in the body. And most of us will be familiar with inflammation, the sort you get when you cut your finger and it gets red hot and angry and then heals over. Now imagine that happening chronically, but at an internal level. And then what happens with ongoing relentless inflammation is that a process which I love calling inflammaging happens. <laughs> <I like that>. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, inflammation plus aging equals inflammaging. Mm-hmm. And what's happening there is that you're activating again, physiological pathways, immune pathways, neurotransmitters, genes that speed up aging. And so stress accelerates aging stress speeds up aging so if we can find a way of modulating stress and i'm not talking about you know you'll hear a lot of people talking about being stress-free and that's very dangerous because stress is a sort of very positive response that we need it's part of our survival mechanism but we need to be able to modulate it and when we can modulate stress we can then slow down aging and reverse aging. And it's incredible to see this. And I'm not just talking about this from an ethereal perspective. I'm talking about it from a very data-driven, measurable perspective, because if you can measure it, then of course you can move it and you can change it. And we're now living in a time when we can measure not chronological age, which is the age that you and I both know in terms of the candles on our cake and the number in our passport. We're talking about inner age, cellular age, biological age. And that's the age that predicts your outcome, that tells you what's going to be your trajectory in terms of how healthy you're going to live and how long you're going to live as well. And once you can measure it with accuracy, which we now can and which I do, then you get a number and you get that number and I can bet you anything you're going to want to change it because there's something about that number, that age, we all want to, you know, we all want to have then a number that allows us to sort of feel immortal certainly don't we we want that yeah. sense that i'm younger than i look or that i'm younger than i am and i've still got that vibrancy of my youth and there's something there and I, i'm certainly a believer that there's wisdom that comes with our years and we need to hold on tightly to that but there's certainly vitality which comes from our youth and we need to hold on to that as well and slowing down aging and reversing aging is now very very much in our hands to be able to do that i love that so in other words we we do need some stress in our lives it's just a matter of having a quote unquote healthy level of stress where it's not too much but we do need a little bit in our lives Oh, for sure. I mean, maybe think of it like the Goldilocks effect, you know, not too little, not too much, yeah. just the right amount. And <laughs> and remember, it's going to be different for you and I. So yeah. back to measuring, there's so many ways that we can now measure our stress because you've got to get specific. We're not in that time now where we, we need to guess what the things we should or shouldn't be doing. We've got access to so much bio data and information about ourselves. Let's get into the cutting edge world that we live in and use those strategies that allow us to be really focused focused about what we're doing and why we're doing it. So is stress a mental or a physical condition or is it a bit of both? Stress is physiological. And then, yes, it makes itself known physically and emotionally. Right. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that stress is a silent killer. Can you talk a little bit about that? And can you provide one tip for the people listening on how to reduce stress and not let stress rule our lives? The one thing they can put into practice right now in order order to help prevent stress overrunning their lives. 
Mm. Stress is a silent killer. That's a really powerful statement, isn't it? It's yeah. And I think it's because we don't want to see the signs of stress, but they're there. They are. Yeah. Your heart rate's going up. The physiology of it is is there, and it's apparent. We, as I said, we can now look for the signs of stress. So, in terms of being the silent killer, I think it's more that we're silencing it rather than it being silent. I think stress is trying to make itself very known. Okay. And we're living in this 24-7, right? Like you said, right at the beginning, in this go, go, go world where the reason it's becoming our killer is because we're not paying attention to it. So then I guess that question in terms of what's one tip for people to be able to do to reduce stress, I mean, there's obviously lots and lots of ways, but one very key way, I think if we tap straight into physiology is thinking about your stress nervous system, your sympathetic nervous system, and your parasympathetic nervous system, your what I call your peaceful nervous system. And you can control your nervous system. You can decide which pathway you're activating in any one time. And a very, very strong way of doing that is to focus on your breathing. That might seem really obvious. We all know how to breathe. We've arrived breathing. Of course, we know how to breathe. But <laughs> <laughs> Intentional breathing. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, thinking about what can I do to change my physiology right now? Well, I can change the way that I breathe. And there's a magic number. The magic number is six. If okay. you can slow down your breathing to six or less breaths a minute, then you have automatically switched off your sympathetic stress nervous system and activated your parasympathetic peaceful nervous system. So you suddenly have become that CEO of your health. You've become in control of your breathing apparatus, which feels like it's so automatic and yet you can take hold of it. And it's very easy to do you know, very simply breathing in for a count of four and breathing out for a count of six. And if you do that six times in 60 seconds, you've you've reached that magic number. And most of us, I go back to sitting under a tree in silence for seven days. We don't need to do that. You don't need to be spending a long time working on your breathing. 60 seconds, and you can yeah. all find 60 seconds in your busy day, focus on your breathing. And there's this lovely, lovely part of your brain, which I love saying, it's called the locus cerulus. Locus cerulus. <laughs> <laughs> And the fascinating part of a uh, bit about this part of your brain is that it's almost like the breathing pacemaker that's in your brain instead of being in your lungs. So the vagus nerve, which is the long nerve, it stretches from your lungs to, the, to your brain. And your brain therefore knows what your breathing rate is. And depending on that breathing rate, the locus cerulis then sends out messages to other parts of your brain, particularly the part that controls the release of stress hormones. So when that breathing rate is slower it doesn't send out those signals. And the moment that breathing rate is faster, it does send out those signals. So isn't that amazing that the way you breathe can control the way that you feel as well in terms of feeling that's, that stress? That's incredible because you've seen a lot of people now talking about being more mindful of your breathing and breathing practices and all of this breath work and all of these things. So yeah. it's becoming more common knowledge, but yeah, I mean, that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. If we can just take that 60 seconds yeah. out of a day and be mindful of that and be self-aware to do that, put into practice that breathing practice of four breaths in, six breaths out, and that will help. Yeah. That, and that's huge. And it's, it's, that, it's 60 seconds out of your day. Yeah. And you can all do this. And if you add it to something you're already doing, I'm sure that people listening, there's a time when you turn your computer on. So add the breathing habit to that. When I turn my computer on, I will take six light, long breaths. Or when I brush my teeth in the morning, I will take six light, long breaths. Or when I have my first glass of water in the morning, so that you're hooking it onto something that you're already doing. It doesn't become something you have to, to remember to do at all. And I think the other thing to remember as well is, is things like breath work and yoga and all of these practices they've been around in in the east for a long long yes. time right centuries yeah. and centuries but now that we're adding the science to it of course it's coming over in the west and we're adding this yeah. to it and it's becoming and feeling more accessible but yeah you know, these are things we should have been learning and listening to for centuries right you know it, it's so funny that we're so far behind the curve with that where mm -hmm. it took us so long to get caught up with what's been going on for centuries mm -hmm. in the East that 
again, it speaks to our lifestyle and what you are all about is lifestyle and recognizing that. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's incredible. Something else I found very intriguing is, and you touched on this just just a minute ago, I read that your own biological age is almost 30 years younger than your chronological age. Can you expand a bit more on this? Yes, yes. I love that number. (laughs) 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 So yeah, as I explained earlier, there is a difference between your chronological age and the number of candles on your cake and your biological age, your inner age, which is the true predictor of your lifespan and your health span. So yep, certainly this year I turned a new decade. So chronologically, I blew out 50 candles on my cake. But biologically, my inner age is 20. Wow. Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> I love Say it. that again, Brad. Say that again. That is incredible. I love that. That's like 30 years younger than yeah. your chronological age. That is amazing. Yeah. And it's all by focusing on what we've already talked about in terms of lifestyle and my lifestyle first method and using data and information to to take the guesswork out. And I think there's something else really important that I should share as well is that last year I checked my biological age and it was also 20 then. But that means that I haven't aged a single year in a year. (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. How do we check our biological age, though? So the particular test that that I advocate is a test that looks at what we've been talking about, looks at your immune system, looks at your inflammation, and is a very, very accurate predictor of the future. So it's a simple blood test that I send out, which you can do in the comfort of your own home, a little finger prick test, four drops of blood on a a card, and then send that back to the lab directly. and And the lab does some incredible analysis is looking directly at your immune system and the inflammation that's going on with your immune system and correlates that directly with uh, with aging. So uh, that takes about two to three weeks because uh, yeah. a lot of processing you can imagine in terms of the, looking at the sample under the lab. And then yeah. you've, got, you've got that one number uh, that is going to give you a nudge to, to take notice of. Whether it's higher or lower or the same, there's something you're going to do with that number. So that's how you test it. So I can certainly send out biological age testing kits pretty much most places on the planet i think that's amazing so you're only 20 alka yeah <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> that is incredible you've got quite a bit of experience under your belt for a 20 year old you must have started when you were two in my nappies yep <laughs> So I want to speak a little bit about now about your journey into the world of being a TEDx speaker. That is a dream for a lot of people out there to get on that red dot. So was this something that was a bucket list item for you? Well, I guess I've I've certainly always enjoyed listening to TEDx talks. And I know that at the end of every talk, there was always been a thought for me that just those simple little phrase, I'd love to do a TEDx talk. I'd love to do a TEDx talk. But in that very quiet whisper, and it was just one day that I said it out loud. One day in 2019, I said it to a group of friends, I'm going to be a TEDx speaker. And once I'd said it loud, and you know, if you know me, you'll you'll know that I I just get things done. And so, twenty eight days later, my talk was released, and boom, it's out there. And I think it's uh, hit about a hundred thousand listens um, at the moment as we speak. Holy shit! Within a month, you put it out to the universe, <laughs> and within a month, you were doing you had done your TEDx talk. Yeah, that is yeah. incredible because you hear the stories of people applying multiple times and getting turned down. Mm, Yeah. So how did this opportunity come about for you to be a TEDx speaker? Can you share a little bit about that journey of the process for you? The process for me was similar to what you described. I just went out there. I didn't wait for anybody to come to me. I just went out and pitched and I got accepted literally within 24 hours of of sending my, my stuff out, which was incredible. And so once I got accepted, I also, and you might find this quite incredible, but I almost knew exactly what I wanted to say and 
within 60 minutes, I'd written this talk. And I know it was 60 minutes because I said, right, I'm going to put pen to paper. This is what I'm going to be talking about. And I had a, a client, I had a patient booked an hour later. So I only had 60 minutes and <sighs> it was there. So it was 60 minutes to write and 28 days to get out there. So actually it was 58 minutes if, I, if I'm really accurate because I had to, <laughs> had to stop and get on, get on the course. So 58 minutes to write it and 28 days to get it out there. So <laughs> Wow, that is incredible. Your TEDx talk was called Health is a Verb, Not a Noun. Can you share a little bit about that concept? Yeah, so it certainly picks up on uh, a lot of what we've been talking about um, already. And what I'd noticed um, in terms of my um, experience with patients was that patients were landing their health on my lap to fix. And so it became something that they either had or they didn't have rather than something that they did rather than something that they held as their own and developed as more of a skill. And this is the basis of my talk that health isn't something that you can just expect to have. It's not just going to be with you if you don't treat it like something like a skill, like riding a bike or playing the piano, treat it as something that you can optimize and continue to optimize. Um, and that's what was really sort of the premise of why I've called it health as a verb, not a noun, because the moment you start thinking about health as not not just something that you have, but something that you do, then you're going to be taking an active part in your own health. You're going to become an active participant in your own destiny, in your own future. Love it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. As previously mentioned, your podcast host, can you tell us a bit about your podcast, the title, the subject matter? Is it interview style, solo? Is it maybe a mix of both? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you can probably guess the title of the podcast, given that we're talking lifestyle and lifestyle yeah. first. So obviously it's called the Lifestyle First Podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the subject matter is very much based yeah. on A-L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E. And I tend to, again, uh, you asked me right at the beginning about organization. So it's a very logical, logically constructed podcast. I focus on one question every week. I identify two pieces of research that support the conversation and at the end leave listeners with three very key actions to take and it's a mixture it's a mixture of me on solo casts and increasingly an interview style and I've had a series where it's all been other TEDx speakers and a series where it's all been other authors um, as well so um, a real mixture as well excellent and so people can find your podcast on all the platforms I'm assuming yeah, absolutely. wherever they listen to their favorite podcast. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Alka, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Oh God, is that a trick question? <laughs> <laughs> My things that make me successful, a superpower. I think I'm going to have to go with things that make you go, oh, so <laughs> being optimistic, certainly, mm -hmm. and having that view on life is certainly a superpower that I have. Being organized is uh, definitely a skill for me. And I think the other one, which fits with what I do with my lifestyle work is being optimized. So what I mean by that is really feeling at that level of optimal energy, of optimal health, of optimal productivity that then sort of nourishes me um, into my success. So things that make you go, oh. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Success means living an intentional driven day. Beautifully said. Concise to the point. Yeah. What was a turning point in your life and how did that affect you? I don't know that we have one turning point. I'm trying to think of that one turning point. I mean, obviously, I've talked to you about the, the patients with the McDonald's milkshake. That was a, a big turning point in terms of my career. I think I've had probably three or four turning points and some turning points that I chose to ignore as well. But one of those was, of course, the, the death of my father. And I've talked about this a little in my TEDx talk. And that was probably the first time I noticed this idea of handing your health over. And for my father, we handed his health over to a surgeon. And sadly, he passed away on an operating table at the oh, hands sorry. of no, it's, it's okay. I haven't talked about it much and I'm starting to talk about it a lot more. And it's it's always lovely to talk about because it, it helps just for me to, to gain perspective every time as well. But yeah, he died at the hands of a surgeon whose hand slipped, knife slipped, and sadly 
that had a disastrous impact on my father. And my dad, that morning, Brad, he said to me on the day of the operation, he said to me, I don't have a good feeling about today. Can oh, we gosh. postpone? And I chose to say, hey, dad, it's all right. You're just nervous. Everything will be fine. And had I listened to that, and I talk about tuning in a lot, is just what difference would that have made? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, so sorry to hear that, Alka. Yeah, that's, uh, no, no, that's okay. So I think, you know, that was certainly a turning point, but I think I was still too naive and early on in my career to really use that to change things and change things for myself and for other people. And so, of course, I carried on in the system that I'd been trained in. And then I had another turning point, and I've alluded it to a little bit earlier, which was my own burnout which was very significant in that my mind and body started giving me huge signals, which resulted in me being hospitalized with my kidneys shutting down and my liver not doing what it was designed to do. And me waking up on my birthday morning and seeing my husband bringing my children to visit and having that sense that, gosh, you're surrounded by so much love, you're going to be just fine yeah. without me. And really ready to sort of feel that life was letting me go and recognizing later that that was burnout and that was not me taking care of myself and listening to ways I should have been sleeping, eating, moving, connecting. And it was that go, go, go lifestyle. And that was a real pivotal point because when you're so close to the fragility of life yourself, it really does make you think and wonder about what you need to do differently for yourself and for the people who need you. Yeah, that's a huge wake up call for sure. Yeah, yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh, we're getting really deep here now, aren't we, Brad? <laughs> we are. <laughs> we really are. What would I say I've learned in my life? I think back to what we've been talking about. If something feels wrong, it's wrong. If something feels right, it's right. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I don't think I can answer that genuinely. I don't think I can put influence down to one person. We're always influencing each other consciously, subconsciously. So I'm going to say no one and everyone. Okay. I like that. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? That has to be gratitude. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? Oh, this is a this is one of my favorite words. This is another <laughs> one of my favorite words. I've got a lot of favorite yes, words. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I made up for my children when they were growing up, but the word is stickability. So having that ability to see things through, to do what it takes, stickability. And this came from when my kids were practicing the piano, but didn't want to practice the piano. <laughs> Where's your stickability power? <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions is to be one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay, cool. Could do that. If you could have one superhero superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. Now, sticking with some of the theme throughout this conversation, what's your favorite stress-reducing activity? Listening to the laughter of my children. What is one of your favorite quotes? Bob Marley, love the life you live, live the life you love. What's the first thing you think of when I say the word future? Now. How would you describe yourself in one word? Ambitious. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Something we've partly discussed. So to flavor and savor, to flavor your day with your true essence and savor the little things. I love that. What is one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Oh, you've said this already as well. I would want to slow down. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> <laughs> what does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment. So that's probably conjuring up a number of other words as well. Words like strength, determination, autonomy, independence. I'm thinking empowerment is confidence, consciousness, choice, 
courage. All of the yeah. things. Okay. What is one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? I have learned that standing out is what makes a difference, not having to fit in. Beautiful. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, so many incredible women to have the opportunity to speak to. I'm going to choose my grandma. Lovely. And why would you choose your grandma? Because I feel I didn't know her enough. And I recently I was just chatting to my mum and listening to stories of how she grew up and what she did and where she lived and what she thought and what her dreams were. And I never knew that about my grandma. I love knowing that about my mum now. So I would love to know that about my grandma as well. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that one thing be? One thing I would like to be remembered for empowering humanity to reach every individual's potential for a one million hour life, living long, living well as your happiest, healthiest self. Love that. If you could go back, Elka, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? That would be to be kinder. That one's a tough one. You know, I, I, I often wonder about this, why we as human beings have such a hard time grasping the concept of being kind to one another. I mean, it doesn't cost us anything. It's really a fairly simple concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why that is that one thing that I think if I went back, it would yeah. be different because I think you realize that with the passage of time, but you don't realize that when you are your younger self, because there's this other sense of busyness about you, isn't there? Yeah. And, and it may be just the way we're designed to get to have that sense of ego before anything else and not in a negative way at all, but that might be it. But again, when you look at how we're wired, compassion and kindness, it's, it's there. It's just, it gets hidden under the layers of everything else that we're doing. So I would love to be able to bring that to the forefront because as you say, it's, it's with us. It's yeah. with us all the time. Yeah. Now we're talking about going back to your five-year-old self because you're only 20, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah great maths yeah <laughs> lastly if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world like your corner of the world your tribe your people what would that last 30 seconds sound like what words of wisdom would you impart i would say remember this if you have time for your health today you'll have health for your time tomorrow and you have a lot of tomorrows waiting for you Brilliantly said. I love it. Very well said. Elka, thank you so very much for this incredible conversation. I have learned so much and I love your acronyms and all the things that you're about, all the knowledge you shared. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure sitting down and having this opportunity to chat with you. I am honored to have had this time and to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for making and taking the time to be here today. Oh, thank you so much, Brad. If you could see me now, and I know we can't see each other, but I'm not sitting down. I'm standing up because I'm adding those years to my life. And I'm standing <laughs> up <laughs> with it. a great big smile on my face because you've been a, a fantastic host because you've made me think as well. And I love that, that really you've helped me to get to know myself on this conversation as well. So really appreciate your incredible host skills as well. And I've loved having this conversation and thank you for doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Well, thank you very much for that acknowledgement. I receive that and I appreciate you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Dr. Alka Patel. She is a lifestyle medicine doctor, a longevity coach, a TEDx speaker, an author, and a podcaster. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, Alka. Have an amazing rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.